Women Up Radio, designed to facilitate women's empowerment, improve your career, develop your talents, incorporate your passions, achieve fulfillment and success. Hello, this is Women Up Radio, supporting Empower Women. And today we're talking about women's empowerment through entrepreneurship. So different countries' visions, business ecosystems, and particularly the documentary that our guests are making about this. So I'm joined in the studio by my guests, Fernanda Mora and Tassiana Mello, the girls on the road. They're now inspiration seekers, but not so long ago, they worked in companies like Deloitte and PwC. They're both passionate about entrepreneurship and innovation, and this led them to create the Founders Project, Currently, they're traveling the world interviewing and learning about women entrepreneurs' stories and their ecosystem. So, welcome to the program, Fernanda and Tassiana. Hello, Anna. Thank you for having us. Uh, good morning. I, I'm Fernanda. Hi, Anna. Tassiana here. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. So, can you tell us some more about how and why you changed paths? Because you were a lawyer, Fernanda, and Tassiana, I think you were marketing and communications. Yes. And you've both changed into Girls on the Road and creating the Founders Project. So how and why did you do this? Well, Anna, uh, this is Tassiana. Let me start sharing a little bit of our idea. Well, at some point uh, we decided, and it might sound corny, but it's absolutely the truth, we really wanted to do, you know, something to, to try to give back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we were in a very entrepreneurial area, a region in the U.S., in California, near to Silicon Valley. And we wouldn't see as many women as founders of companies as men. And we, it really shocked us in that particular area of the world. And we started researching and we learned that one of the reasons that women do not engage as much as in entrepreneurship is because there's a lack of role models. They do not see other women doing it. So they really believe that's a purely male activity, which is a lie, which is a pity. And so we decided to act upon it and, you know, go around the world and tell these stories, learn about these stories and share with other women. Fernando, for, for you, was it something similar? Yes, and I think uh, that environment that we were in, it's very vibrant and, and it pushes you to, you know, think of things differently and, you know, making changing changes in your career. We were there uh, working, working like it. I was doing like pro bono consulting and, and learning other things as well. And we got to, you know, entrepreneurship and going to so many events. Yeah. Uh, it's like this spark on me of, you know, this would be so awesome. Go and, and find out about this, all the women's that are the that women that are like uh, being entrepreneur and we don't see as much as role models. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful idea because, I mean, you're over the other side of the pond. I'm here in Europe, but it's exactly the same here. There are so few women that really think they can do everything and it seems to be much more complicated. So I think it's wonderful. But tell me more about the Founders Project. Really, what is it and how does it work? Okay, so our idea was to bring the more diversity possible. So we have pretty much um, no rule in terms of how we're going to find our entrepreneurs. So they can come from a very diverse background, uh, any type of business, uh, age. Uh, Of course, for us, the only restraints was uh, that 
because we don't speak every single language in the world, <laughs> unfortunately, people would have to speak Portuguese, Spanish, or English. <laughs> and, and we make sure that we want to bring like tech business, traditional business, and social organization as well. Yeah. So it's a very uh, relaxed also interview in terms that we want to get inspiration from them, but also have their, you know, practical steps to be able to share with other wannabe entrepreneurs. Yeah. And there's, there's another aspect that's, of course, also important because we are not interviewing those very, very, you know, successful entrepreneurs and they have a huge place in history, of course. But we really wanted to talk about, you know, there's daily, day-to-day women that started the business. They are, you know, between three and five years old of running the business. Yeah. They're pretty much still in the beginning, but they have history. They have experiences to share of what the women that are starting their journey. So that's a very important aspect. That's wonderful. And so why do you think um, women's entrepreneurship is such an important and a successful way to help women become empowered? Of course, like the first thing that we would say about empowering women to entrepreneurship, because they wouldn't be able to, you know, first like feel fulfilled what they want to do, you know, like um, happy about the work that they do. And have like the economic um, support as well as they are making money and they are going to be able to have more of a say in their lives. And I think this is the primary thing. And when you also like building something that is your own company or idea, you feel very powerful, like the way that you are capable of doing anything as long as you put your effort on it. And I know you now you've been to many different countries already. What countries have you been to? Oh my God, it's a long list. Yes. Not <laughs> <laughs> with which continents have you been to? Um, yeah, but like every single one except from Africa, because we're going to finish the program, the project there. So pretty much we were starting in the US where we were living. So Canada, Mexico, and then we move on to Asia. Five countries Canada. in Asia. Yeah, Canada. Five countries. Five countries in Asia. Then Australia, New Zealand, uh, South America, Latin America, Europe. Now we are in the Middle East, and we finish in Africa. Wow. Yeah, I was just going to add, I, I mean, the, the, the list of countries, you know, it wasn't a, like chair picking, like I wanted to go to this country because I want to visit that place. No, absolutely not. I think it's important to say that as well. Yeah. Because when we pick the countries, and of course, we, we pick them based on reports, because we really want to show diversity in terms of regions and, and countries. Because being an entrepreneur in the U.S., is absolutely different than being an entrepreneur in Cuba, in Brazil, or Japan, or Australia. So we really want to show different environments uh, regarding, of course, the economic environment, the position of women, uh, the the level of support that they can have in that context. So it's really important to say that because also we want to show the diversity also in terms of countries. Yes. Yeah. And so what have you seen? What differences? How do they... How do these countries view women and how do they view entrepreneurship differently? Because I'm sure, like you said, you're now sort of Silicon Valley area. They must have a completely different attitude to, I don't know, well, the Middle East, which is normally women don't get much opportunity for having businesses or empowerment. Do you find that um, the, the general idea and mentality in countries makes a big difference on who can succeed and who can't and what we found is like it's not like a mentality of the women 
but the ecosystem, like how supportive and how much resource it can offer the women. Because let's say, and especially because you mentioned Middle East, we're currently just finished our interview here in Lebanon. Yeah. And on the contrary of all the stereotypes that we have, right? On terms of Middle East, they're going to be like shy, more, you know, shy about like being um, bold and yeah. outspoken. It was completely different. We found like amazing women, very empowered, uh, building their business in tech and, you know, traditional business. Uh, the ecosystem, of course, uh, Lebanon went through like 15 years of war and then another war. And it's, it's being like uh, rebuilt and increasing more resources. So internet here is still a problem. They have an infrastructure problem, also like electricity, but the women are very strong, yes. very focused on, you know, build their business and expand. And especially because Lebanon is such a small country, they have to think globally since the beginning. Um, so what we, we found is like, uh, it's not as much as in terms of how the women are think, because they are very um, strong and, you know, focused and very entrepreneurial in it, every single country that we visit. Mm-hmm. But the way is like how the country can provide the ecosystem necessary to growth. And so what type of businesses are your, your interviewees starting up? Well, we, uh, we are interviewing every kind of entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if the one that, you know, just opened, a, a, let's say, a, a bakery a couple of years ago or the one who's building a tech company and running, uh, already, uh, already making millions. So, again, we, we really wanted to show the diversity in terms of types of business as well. So, we've been meeting women doing, you know, the most different types of things, many in tech, I think that's one thing that we really have to stress out. There are amazing women doing, you know, dealing with virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, biotech. I mean, really, women are really in tech and we have to show that as they are in social enterprises, as they are in more traditional business. I think one of the major misconceptions is that, you know, uh, women businesses are only in in a few number of industries, but that has been changing and we've been seeing that and we have to talk about this, to impact other women, to inspire girls, to really believe that they can really be a scientist and build, you know, a company if they want to. And so that's why it's so important to show the variety of business that these women are, are building. And let's say like for examples, yeah. so interview um, a woman from Duany. It's a platform for content for women in the Arabic world. So she was uh, working in France from, you know, in terms of uh, digital media and she realized that, but she's Lebanese, but she realized that there's a lack of uh, content and in many different uh, verticals for women for the Arabic world. So she started like by building uh, content in terms of like fashion and cooking and variety. And now she has like one of the largest audience in uh, Arabic countries. Mm-hmm. And she was recently acquired by a big media uh, company in France. Yeah. And, but she's still like in charge of expanding the operations. She's sold like a uh, big chunk of her company, but it's still like, you know, in the daily life. Another one, another one here from Lebanon, she uh, also started a company called Mikey, yeah. uh, very tech uh, oriented. So you can access any platform online, like, you know, Facebook, uh, Airbnb, that you need a password through the finger trip, finger uh, print. Yeah. Yes. So it has like an application through your cell phone that yeah. you can connect and disconnect to any platform that you're logged in online. Yeah. Just the 
touch of your finger. And all the information is stored in your device, not in the cloud, for you know, more security. Yes. Oh, it sounds amazing. So with those examples that you've given for Lebanon, I know recently you were in Russia, and before that, I can't remember where you were, but I know I'm... I'm yeah. um, <laughs> are they very different because of the geographical area? Does that make a difference as well or not? No, I think in Russia, what we could say, like, uh, they also think of, you know, building tech companies and traditional business. But the thing is, what we found particularly different in Russia, um, even though, like, although the women are very strong and they're very, like, in charge of what they want, when we were talking to them, like, very, very uh, bold, but they kind of, like, limit themselves. They think that when you start, like, grow too much, there's, like, then you are going to male-dominated world. Yeah. Oh, really? like, yeah, yeah. Like we, we made a question we, we asked a question that has nothing to do with the product like would you see like a female president in Russia and they were like no this is a, a man thing a woman cannot be president because we need someone strong because they believe that strong comes much more from uh, physical strength than you know Mental. being smart or yeah. being you know, yeah. diplomatic or being anything that a president should be oh really yeah. that's interesting yeah, but Russia was interesting also. And, you know, going back to your, to, your, to your question, I mean, we haven't seen as many women in tech in Russia as we've, been, uh, as we've seen in other countries. And another country that, you know, was really kind of surprising in terms of not many women in tech, as we suppose we would find, was Germany. Really? Yes. Yeah, and they really realized that, that they have the digital, what they call the digital gap, in, in Germany is really high. Uh, they want to act really strongly on that to change the situation. So we interviewed the director, for example, the director one, of one of the late, largest uh, organizations for women entrepreneurs. Yeah. And they know they have an issue with that. And they, they have to act upon it. I'm not saying that we don't have women in tech in Germany. We do, of course, they do. But not as many as they would like. And yeah. certainly not as many as we thought we would find. So it's interesting because you have Germany, this, you know, this one of the largest economy in the world, very potent. And then yeah. you're there and, you know, there's this misconceptions that start to be disconstructed. So it's really yeah. interesting. And the ecosystem is very uh, vibrant. And of course, there's like lots of uh, tech companies, but led by men. Oh, how strange. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have expected that at all. <laughs> yeah. For us, it was kind of a shocking as well. Because you imagine, and also particularly because they're very sort of me- mechanical and very yeah. efficient and things like that, you'd expect them to be, well, leaders, really. But, but you know what, what we found interesting? Because, of course, they have like a stable economy and the women are uh, used to more like once they get married, they say, like, some women told us, like, there's this mentality that when Still, women get married, yeah. they take care of the family primarily. Yes. And when they think about, like, coming back to work, it's much more like a part-time thing than, you know, going full-time. Yeah. So there's also this uh, effort from government to see if they can bring women full-time again. Because, yeah. of course, they need, like, everybody in the economy to make the country grow yeah. but even more. But they, they have this uh, issue because it's not like they need like, to really work full-time. And it's, it's a different type of economy, right? Like if you, uh, let's, say, let's say our country, Brazil, 
it's not like many families, you, you cannot afford just having one person working or, the, you know, have one part-time because otherwise you'll not be able to have a comfortable life. Yeah. When I was, um, well, when I had my kids, I had my kids in the UK and I went back to work of, I don't know, when the youngest was about mm. a year old or something like that, or um, 15 months old, I think she was. And at the time... I didn't financially need to because my husband, he earned enough money that, you know, I didn't have to. I wasn't desperate for money, but I wanted to. And I I couldn't, the the idea of just staying at home and doing nothing, I think I would have been a much worse mum because I would have been frustrated. So for me, I just wanted to go out and use my brain. So it always surprises me when you get a, country where a lot of women who don't go back to work because financially they don't need to because maybe I've got a a utopic dream that you should enjoy your work so you want to do it but I don't know I I like having the choice of being able to do it so and I know carrying on with the the different countries and the different attitudes because it's very interesting what you said about Russia and also about Germany what did you find in Asia and which countries in Asia did you go to I mean did you go to sort of Japan or Thailand or any of those type of countries yeah in Asia we went to Japan China Malaysia Singapore South Korea South Korea really okay and what was their attitude it's very uh, diverse in terms like uh, because let's say you cannot compare Japan with China they are completely the opposite uh, attitude when we went to Japan, and one would think like it's a rich country as well. Women are extremely educated, like they, they you know, all masters, uh, undergrad. It's like education is not a problem at all. Yeah. But they have a society that women has this role as a mother and as a, um, a married, you know, person. That That's is like if yeah. you get married and you have children, you're done for business. So there's like a huge pressure on the women to just quit everything. And if doesn't do that is like you were a bad mom we heard that and for us was shocking when we asked them so you have a business how is it like oh you know I have my business but I know I'm a bad mother and then we're like okay how so oh because uh, I don't have the chance to give 100% to my family and we would ask like and what does your husband do oh he's an entrepreneur as well so he's not a bad bad father (laughs) no (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and in, it's really interesting, Anna, because uh, we know that social pressures, they are everywhere, right? In every single country, of course, uh, because they are very attached to, to women roles in society, still, to this date. Yeah. But what, what really surprised us, and I would say shocked us in Japan, is the level of pressure that they have to face in a daily life. So, so to give you an example, when a woman, you know, lives to have their kids, uh, it's very rare, the ones that want to go back to their companies, it's very rare that the company will take them back. And, yes, and when they do, they, you know, you might have left as a director and will then work when you come back as an assistant. So there's no stability regarding your position, your past position. Mm-hmm. And they do, and the environment is really hostile in order to kind of expel these women for, from that environment because they truly believe that you will not be able to work with the same dedication and commitment 
as you have before having kids and becoming a mother. So they feel like trapped. And that's why one of the reasons that many start to, you know, their own businesses to be active again, to build something, to put all their knowledge into practice to help other women. Yeah. So it's a very interesting situation. And, and Japan certainly surprised us yes. regarding this issue. But yeah. then you have China. And, when we, and then even like when we were interviewing Japan, they were saying, you know, like when you get into China, it's going to be a completely different game. You're going to see they're extremely empowered and strong, you know, like outspoken. And of course, here we have to do like a um, note. Of course, we are interviewing the big cities. And yeah. Countryside. So, of course, if you go to the countryside in any country, like you can go in the countryside in Russia, in, in, in China, in, you know, in, in Japan, in Brazil, would be a completely different profile yeah. from you know, what we're interviewing. Yeah. But in China, when we got there, they were especially the age group that was mostly interviewed was the, uh, from the police of the one child. Yes. Um, so they were very empowered because, like, first they were already in a good position that they made it through, you know, this role, they yeah. were allowed to born. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, uh, they have all the resources, like the family, because they, what they say in China, you have this uh, one, two, four uh, pyramid, like the, the child will be able to provide for the parents and grandparents when they grow and start working. Yeah. So the family put all the effort, like all the money, all resources to make this, uh, child to you know to win in life in business yeah so they were like no we want to do this company we're going to expand to that part and they were like very uh bold and like you know the very stereotype that we think when we think about a man entrepreneur would yeah. be the Chinese women <laughs> ah, interesting. Yeah. interesting I know one of one of my clients um who's in logistics he asked me about the cultural differences with countries, etc., because he was having some visitors coming over from China. And the, the people that came over, it was all women. And they were the key decision makers. Okay, they weren't entrepreneurs. It was in a company. Mm-hmm. It was all women, and they were key decision makers. Um, and for them, it was completely normal but for him, and he, this guy is very, very open-minded, very supportive of women's equality. You know, he's not your macho chauvinist. He's really totally, he's a nice guy. Um, and he was surprised because with logistics and large corporations, still, normally, it tends to be a male-dominated sector. Yeah. But he said everybody that he was speaking to in China there were either more women or equal women. And he thought that it was very interesting compared to some of the countries uh, in Europe and also when you go over to the States and things like that. So it's very interesting, China. They yeah, should, yes. And if should. you didn't go, you should. Yeah, oh, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to go to all of the places you've been to. I'm so jealous. <laughs> you are listening. To Anna Letitia Cook at Women Up Radio. Can we talk a bit about the business ecosystems? What ones are available today and how do these impact your women entrepreneurs? Well, it's, it's, it's good to, you know, to learn and we've been learning a lot. And I would say pretty much every country that we passed, interviewed, 
uh, governments and organizations and civil society are really organizing themselves to support women entrepreneurs. I think it's really important. Some countries more than others, of course, they really, some really embrace women entrepreneurship. They really want more women in the economy, building business, you know, helping to, uh, to make it grow. So uh, countries for uh, Singapore, and of course the U.S. and, 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 and Germany and Norway. Nice. Norway, for example, was a, an interesting story because Norway has one of the lowest entrepreneurship levels in the world. Men and women, yes, because they have, of course, a very well-developed country. Their welfare system is amazing. They have amazing social programs. So, in fact, at the end of the day, they do not have as much incentive to become entrepreneurs unless they have this crazy, amazing idea because they have a very comfortable life. And they know that, and they're very outspoken about that. It is they are very spoiled. But the government realized, the country as a whole, that they have to diversify. They cannot rely only on oil, for example, or maritime industry. They have to have different industries to, make the, to allow the country to, to keep growing. And they are investing huge tons of money and really building a, a vibrant and mature uh, uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem to attract more women. And they are very, you know, they have a target. We want to reach like 30% in the next, I don't know, maybe four or five years of women among entrepreneurs. So they're very focused. And there are other countries who are doing that because they realize that it's not only the right thing to do, you know, to embrace these women, to give them the opportunity to build their business, because it's also an economic issue. Yes. We need more women in our economies to help the global to continue to grow. Otherwise, we will not make it. Yeah. yeah. And, and for us also, it was a big uh, surprise. We have been away from Brazil like for the past four to five years. Yeah. So, and of course, when we left Brazil, we were not engaged in entrepreneurship. We were working in the business, but like large corporations. So it was uh, very cool when we came back and we saw like the, what we were seeing in other countries, we, already, we also saw in Brazil. You know, many organizations like... Uh, you know, tech business, traditional business, very empowered women. And like, you actually have like a very high number of women comparing to men. Like it's like, in terms of new business, I believe like it's more women yes, than men yes. open business. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And in every single country, we've seen so many women supporting other women through organizations to mentor, to fund other women. Yes. So it's, it's much more than a trend. It's real and it's happening all over the world. That's fabulous. Fabulous. And do you, I know you've used Norway as an example and you've spoken about Brazil. Are there any particular countries or any sectors that give women more opportunities? Whether, for example, um, I mean, oil is traditionally male, but would you say that oil compared to media, compared to retail maybe, are any of those particularly advantageous for women entrepreneurs or there's no specific sectors? I think it's fair to say that to this day, women feel much more comfortable, you know, starting the business in areas that are closer to them. I would yeah. say like services or, or fashion or cosmetics and lifestyle businesses. Yeah. But that's one thing. And it's, it's true, of course. But for example, with the internet age, e-commerce has become huge for women. The internet. So, and, and, and also we see more and more women engaging technology, which is so important. Yeah. So, and of course, some industries, women still face 
much more hurdles. And technology fields are certainly, you know, uh, one of them. Yes. Uh, I mean, they, they, they relate, they, they talked to us and they said that they were like ostracized. They, for example, they had a hard time, many entrepreneurs hiring people to their teams, building technology companies, because people would be, believe that they, they did not have the, the knowledge to lead them. Really? Yes. So one, one, yeah, like you talk to one, one example in China, uh, the girl said that, um, she at the beginning had a hard time to finding a guy to develop a guy or a girl, of course, to develop the, the, the company yeah. and all the coding at the beginning of the company that she was the one who did it because said that she would hire and they wouldn't respect her because she was a woman. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, and then we saw like a lot of uh, women in tech in, in China. Oh. And also we, we see that they're like some of the countries that we visit, uh, there are like programs like targeting to educated women in terms of technological aspects of the business. Yes. And, but also like a boot camp that we, we interview in Canada out of, I don't know, like 20 to 25 companies, they are pretty much very tech oriented. Yes. And also in, not only, like I say, like as you said, in fashion or cosmetics, like in virtual reality, you know, like in, in things like uh, related to uh, like learning for uh like the brain learning from people with uh, Alzheimer, let's say. Yeah. So it was like very, uh, what you would expect stereotypically speaking from a male led company. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. So, and what do you think can be done to improve the options for women entrepreneurs? I mean, do you, from everything you've seen, you must have a great view of where the, the key areas or the key actions are, are that could help them. Well, I, I would say that one thing that the first thing that's really clear for us is we have to, to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. We have to show what these women are doing around the world. We cannot believe. Well, the, the, the gender gap, it is here. We cannot deny that, of course. Yeah. But one of the ways to really impact and change the situation is, is, is really to show these stories is as I, as I mentioned earlier, is to share with other women and men what women are doing around the world in so many areas, really challenging the status quo, yeah. really going above and beyond because the challenges will always, always be there. Of course, we have to keep working to you know, overcome and eventually make them disappear. But the, really the, the, the message that we want to convey is, despite of it all, women are doing it. Yeah. And we have to talk about this more and more so we change hearts and minds and really, you know, change the attitude because cultural and social aspects are huge hurdles and, you know, it takes, it really takes time to change them. So that's one thing I would say, keep telling about these stories, showing these role models. Yeah. Another yeah. thing also, and I think it's like, uh, of course we cannot deny there is a gap. But also we have to somehow make these human women step up more yes. because we heard in every single country that like sometimes the, the resources are there, uh, you know, the opportunities are there, but then when they open to like for men and women to show up and to take advantage of some programs, like women ended up like showing in less number. Yes. Like they're always like, Oh, I'm not capable. I don't know if I can. So we have also our share of responsibility to showing up to the, you know, to the start line. Yes. Yeah. I think different mental attitude. Men always say, yes, I can do it. Even if they've got no idea. Women are much more 
honest and tend to um, underrate themselves rather than accepting that they've got the capability. But okay. that's a, that's a beautiful thing because we've had interviewing so many women that they said I had no idea about you know about the topic, yes, about the industry, about the business, but I did it because I believed in my idea. I searched for for support. I I went there and, and I learned and I started it. And that's wonderful. Yeah, that's a key, a very important message to, to really to convey. He started yeah. believing yourself and, and, and really do it. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And so I know you're producing a documentary at the end of your travels. So yeah. tell us about the documentary. Okay, so the document, of course, we're going to have like lots of, um, you know, stories to share. Uh, <laughs> our idea is to have like a full documentary of like, you know, one hour and a half or so. Yeah. And we wanted to pinpoint uh, great idea, great um, stories for each country that we visit and giving also a context for, you know, these women. And, and our idea is to do in a much, we know that there's like tons of challenges and, yeah. you know, everything, but we really wanted to give like a positive message that doesn't matter what is going on in each country, you know, but women are doing it and women are, you know, making their companies and growing their companies and they're sharing their stories. And they were very, very um, open to, you know, tell good and bad things. When do you think it will be available? Because you've, you've got another continent to visit? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we finished the field work, like the field interview in the end of October. And yeah. then how we're going to afterwards start like going through the material and, and making sense of everything. And we have uh, the support of production company in Brazil. It's yeah. going to do all the technical support, you know, editing, cross-production. So we're aiming to have this ready around like April next year. Fabulous. And will it be available everywhere or will it be just Brazilian television? And what language will it be in? No, our idea is to be able to have the, the largest platform ever. We're going to try to put in Netflix and Amazon. We are now, because we are self-funding our, pro our project, so we are trying to, you know, work with uh, the Brazilian grants and uh, to have sponsors for also, like, companies that can have, like, a large platform to stream uh, the content. We want to have a global reach, I yeah. mean, because I'm sure that a woman in, in Cuba may be inspired by a story of a woman in China, for example. And we have to show this. So we, we're going global. We, you know, we have the documentary and an hour and a half, we know already won't be enough to share all these stories. That's why we're already thinking about a web series because we have such a very strong and powerful content that we want to, you know, to really share this uh, with the world, with other women. With yeah. girls. And yeah. we want to make it in English, of course, with English subtitles. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the whole interview were uh, mostly record in, in English and Spanish. Yeah. But, uh, so we, we, in each country that we will be able to, to stream it, we yeah. wanted to do subtitles for, like, for, for the country. But definitely like in Spanish, in Portuguese and English. Okay, well, I'm okay with the English and the Spanish. I might struggle with the Portuguese. <laughs> 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 oh, that's fabulous absolutely amazing so um we need to look out for it from april and you'll let me know so that i can uh, talk about it perfect perfect okay so to finish up are there any last tips that you can give to women entrepreneurs that you think will help them progress more smoothly uh started 